Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gavin Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankston. Today is December 4th, 2020, which means I'm on day 356 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. New movie review, folks, and this one will probably surprise you. The SpongeBob movie, SpongeBob on the Run 2020. Yes, that's correct. I watched a SpongeBob movie. I got kids. I mean, they loved it. My daughter was locked on the screen. It was the best way to keep her occupied I think I've ever found because it was also entertaining for me. I'm not even going to lie. I got into it. At one point, Spongebob comes across a sagebrush drifting through the Wild West, and the face on the sagebrush is Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that's right. Keanu Reeves is in over half of this movie, giving advice to Spongebob through a mystical face on a sagebrush. Then, out of nowhere, comes Snoop Dogg, who's also doing a cameo and raps in the movie. He's got a Spongebob-related rap song in the Spongebob movie. It's hilarious. It's perfect. And out pops Danny Trejo. I'm telling you, the cameos in this movie will surprise the ish out of you. It's awesome. Kudos to the makers of this. I think it's Nickelodeon who still makes Spongebob. Either way, I was entertained... 100%, and I'm an adult. My kids loved it. There was some adult humor in it. The fact that Snoop Dogg and these other actors were in it just puts it over the top. I'm giving this SpongeBob movie an 8 out of 10. I'm not even kidding you. Watch this movie. If you've exhausted your movie, your new movie list to the extent where you're dwindling it down to five or six options. Have one of the options be Spongebob on the run 2020. I'm I'm not even kidding. You'll, You'll love it. You know, if you have kids, it makes more sense. If you don't have any kids, yeah, I mean, maybe watch something else just because you're a grown adult and that's kind of weird. But either way, highly entertaining. Spongebob on the run 2020. I give it eight out of 10. Well, folks, speaking of movies... Uh, Warner Brothers just announced on December 25th, yeah, that's Christmas, when Wonder Woman 1984 hits theaters, it will also hit HBO Max for the small price of $15 a month to sign up for HBO Max, a streaming service. And just think, if you were to spend, you know, 15 bucks for two people to go see Wonder Woman in theater, and you probably have to sit... A, a, a seat apart or something crazy and wear a mask the whole time and it's just stupid, you could just as well spend that 15 and get an entire month of HBO Max, which will include the option to watch Wonder Woman 1984. So this sort of strategy that Warner Brothers has come up with, being owned by AT&T, of course, so it's all AT&T who makes any of these decisions, is a way, I think to wean out theater going completely 
and have everything be streamed through their service. And they have also announced they'll do this same thing with Dune, the remake, which I can't wait for. It's supposed to be epic. And The Matrix 4. This is crazy. This sort of video on demand, straight to video service scenario is unprecedented because for the most part, companies and movie makers have always relied on the theater goers to make them money at the beginning. And then after that, it's Blu-ray sales and digital copies and downloads and all that jazz. But in this case, it's going to be streaming. That's going to make the bulk of the money from these big time movies that, I mean, they got high expectations for viewing for the Wonder Woman 1984. It, it's supposed to be one of the biggest DC films of all time. And I know I want to see it. The first Wonder Woman was phenomenal. In fact, it was probably the best of all the DC movies thus far. So, with high expectations going into Wonder Woman 1984, I might very well jump on that HBO Max train. Actually, I won't have to because I get everything for free. But, for somebody who doesn't, hit up the streaming service, pay the 15 there's probably a free trial anyways for like a week, whatever. And eventually, they're going to strike a deal with Roku so that HBO Max will be available through Roku streaming devices like a Roku TV or a Roku stick that connects to the back of your HDMI on your TV. Either way, it is the new age. Streaming is the way. To quote Mandalorian, this is the way. Speaking of Mandalorian, oh, you can stream that too on Disney+. Plus. Everything's streaming now. Going to the theater is going to be out. In fact, most theaters, I predict, will straight up close in 2021. Nobody's going to go. People are all going to get used to this sitting at home. You know, after this Christmas, when everyone buys, anyone who's behind with TV size, people are like, you know, still rocking a not a flat screen or not even HD or some type of smaller flat screen from back in the day, are going to finally upgrade and bite the bullet and get themselves a cheap $500 massive curved, you know, OLED flat screen smart TV, whatever. And when they finally upgrade and reach the level of the rest of us, they'll realize their house itself has become a home theater and it's just as good as going to the movies. Although I am a diehard movie watcher in theaters because I like the experience of going out. I usually go with my sisters. They're obsessed with movies and entertainment like me. We discuss the movie beforehand on our way in. We talk about what we saw afterward. We laugh. We, you know, have a good time. We gorge ourselves with munchies. We love that experience. Taking it away will suck, but I believe it will go away because most people don't give a shit about that. So, if my prediction's correct, you better set yourself up with a big, nice sound bar under your flat screen and get yourself ready to have a home theater set up so you can really watch these movies the way they're supposed to be watched on a somewhat of a big screen with a loud whole bunch of, you know, really intense sound blasting your ears. And I predict a lot of people are going to jump on board with this HBO Max just to see Wonder Woman 1984. I would be one of them if I didn't already get it for free guarantee. Well, just as people were complaining that the 
Puerto Rican Arecibo Observatory needs to stay available for use to seek out planets and things out out there in the cosmos that we don't know about yet. People people are complaining that they need to keep this thing up and running and they don't want to decommission it. It's not fair, it's not right. It it'll ruin a big portion of Puerto Ricans the Puerto Ricans ability to make a scientific use out of this device and make money off of it and bring people to Puerto Rico just to see it. I mean, it's it's a thing of beauty when you look at it. Just as people were complaining about this, the whole thing fell apart. Yeah, there's drone footage, a video of the collapse of this massive satellite with a hanging structure at the top of it just dropping into the center and destroying it. And it's pretty wicked to watch. I mean, if you just want to see a video of sheer destruction of a massive man-made structure that was in use for so many years and was so important to the government of Puerto Rico, watch this video of the Arecibo Observatory completely and absolutely collapsing. The wires holding it up just snapped, and this thing just drops. Luckily, nobody was hurt. There was nobody there. It happened at night, although it looks pretty clear from the video, whatever. And this pretty much, I would say, solidifies the guarantee that they will make no use of this observatory in the future whatsoever. And it is naturally decommissioned, I would say, because it just happened on its own. And now they're probably just going to rip out all the materials and take the useful pieces and put them somewhere else and everything else. They'll either leave there because they won't have money to get rid of it or they'll hopefully just pull it out of the forest and, hell, they'll allow some uh, some more nature to take place. And that's probably the way it should have been to begin with. Lesson learned here, folks. Don't put a massive satellite dish in the middle of the woods in Puerto Rico or the forest. I mean... It it would it made good use. Like they they used this thing for many years, and hell, it was in the movie Goldeneye, and it was badass. But thankfully, after people were worried, could we bring it back? Should we bring it back? Does it deserve a second chance? It fell apart on its own, solidifying the fact that it is done. It is donezo. It is crocodile Dundee. It is no more. Take it down. It's a hazard. And watch that video. It'll blow your mind. Arecibo Observatory. R.I.P. Well, folks, the day has finally come. Congress is now in session deciding whether or not to federally decriminalize Mara. Yes, the Moore Act is setting up to be most likely to ensure that people who got in trouble for marijuana when they were young, me, get their criminal records expunged automatically. Well, that's nice. I had to pay for mine. And I was a freaking felon for 10 years for marijuana. So that doesn't help me. This new Moore Act 
does nothing for me whatsoever, but it does do this. It allows you to then travel from state to state with weed on you and not have to worry that you're going to get in trouble. I mean, sure, in some states, you still won't be allowed to have weed until they actually legalize it there. Like, recreationally, it won't be legal for people in certain states, but you won't get prison time for it. If you bring a 20-sack a with you to wherever you go, Texas, and you get in trouble by a cop, you'll probably get a slap on the wrist or a fine, but they're not going to put you in prison for a year like they currently will in some places, which is ridiculous. Now, obviously, this Moore Act is going to be set in place to help, uh, you know, communities that have been stricken with drugs and violence and other things. But the unfair legislation put into place by Richard Nixon in the 1970s, putting marijuana as a Schedule One narcotic, will be dumbed down, if you will, to the point in which uh, communities that have been affected negatively by that will now get federal aid money to help them regroup and and gain back what they once were before they got ruined by this war on drugs, so to speak. But I say this, it's not always the minorities and the people that you expect who got harassed and screwed because of weed. I'm a white dude who lived in Oregon, and I got a felony for marijuana. In fact, I faced six felonies, all for weed, and they made me plead down to one at age 18. So as soon as I was a grown adult, the moment I was able to be charged as a true adult criminal, the system destroyed my life over something that is now completely and absolutely legal in that state, and even meth is only a $100 fine in Oregon now. So do I agree with this federal decriminalization? Hell yes, I do. Absolutely. Will it help me in any way, a person who got screwed by the system? No, absolutely not. It'll do nothing for me whatsoever. I'm still screwed because of that, because I was forced into an industry that I didn't want to be into, but that's the only choice when you're a felon and you can't get a real job. So with all that being said, I fully suspect this to finally pass in Congress and we will finally, after being sandwiched in between two countries with legal weed, Mexico and Canada, America will decriminalize it federally and you will not have to freak out or worry if you travel from one state to another or if you're in an airport with a bag of weed and think you're going to end up in prison with some straight-up, low-down drug dealers, rapists, thugs, and murderers. People have anything to do with weed don't deserve that. It makes no sense. Veterans who suffer from injury and PTSD deserve medical marijuana benefits. This is something that is so long overdue, I can't believe it. It stems from the Nixon era and the war on drugs in the 70s. It's been 50 years since then. This is so long overdue, it's laughable. I can't believe it's been this long. How many old, crusty white people 
have gone against this for so long. It's over. It's time for the new age to begin with marijuana being legalized federally eventually. Right now, it'll be decriminalized. That's good enough. That's one step towards it. And eventually, you're almost guaranteed to see it be federally legalized for recreational use 21 or over, which will mean then you can truly travel state to state, no problem, bring weed, whatever you want, smoke it at the border, across the border, on either side, whatever. As long as you're not driving and smoking, you can still get a DUI, of course. This is the new age. This is the way. I can't stop quoting The Mandalorian. It's in my mind. I'm obsessed with it. All I say now is this is the way. My wife, are you making dinner tonight? This is the way. This is the way. What time do you work? This is the way. That doesn't answer my question. This is the way. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we've all been waiting for, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hanks, and Barbecue, and that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today I'm going to tell you a story about two almost local celebrities here in town in Imperial Beach, the Curb Guys. Yeah, that's right, the Curb Guys. So there's one Curb Guy uh, who paints people's curbs with their house numbers in the center, And he does a very flamboyant, bright, neon-colored, almost mural that takes up, like, much more than just somebody's curb. This dude, uh, older black gentleman, walks around with a lit blunt everywhere he goes. Talks a lot of weird gibberish. May have done drugs in his past, not sure. His brain isn't all there. He is the guy people go to for their curbs if they want something super bright and obnoxious. But there's another curb guy. He's my dude. His name is Pete. One of the reasons I like him already. He always goes out of his way to advertise Barbecusion to the whole city of Imperial Beach. He's known around town. He bikes everywhere. He knows every single person. He talks about my business. He raves about it. He loves the food. He puts the stickers on his bike and spreads it around, advertises it, all that. He does more of a stencil and hand-painted work scenario that is a little more subtle, but much more artsy and perfect and will make a stencil of absolutely anything you want, including my barbecue logo, which he's putting on my curb as we speak. These two guys have a strange and unusual competition here in town in IB. In fact, at one point, Pete was threatened by this other gentleman, I don't know his name, but he threatened him saying, man, use all my turf and I'm going to have to take medicines to my own hands, you know what I'm saying? And Pete just, you know, he let it go. Eventually these guys learn to respect each other and their separate variations of artwork that they do involving people's house numbers on the curb. And yesterday, my man Pete was doing my curb for me. You know, the guy doesn't even charge much. I'm talking 30 bucks, he'll put your numbers on your curb, and then any any logo or anything you want, like my neighbor down the street, he's an ex-Navy, uh, he was in Vietnam, him and his Vietnam guys were all a part of this specific crew in the Navy, they got their own special name and logo that they actually copy wrote the logo and have it, it's officially theirs, the U.S. government 
acknowledges it as a logo specifically depicting these gentlemen who fought in Nam together in this separate group or whatever. And he was able to recreate that exact logo to a T. I mean, perfectly. Different colors, everything. Really small. And put it on the guy's curb for him next to his house numbers. He also put, you know, a flag, U.S. Navy, all these cool things. It pops. It looks amazing. It's exactly what my neighbor wanted. So after seeing that work done, I knew it was time for me to hire Pete as well. So I hired him over. He first came to my house and put a solid white space as a canvas for him to work on. And he had to let that dry for a day. And the next day, the other guy sees this solid white block on my street. I don't even know how he ended up on my street anyways. And the other guy, the black dude, rolls around with a, uh, you know, like, he rolls around with luggage, basically. He just walks around. Apparently he's homeless. That's kind of sad. But he walks around with luggage and just kind of rolls it around with the little handle. And he pulls up to my front door with a lit blunt and starts talking a bunch of crazy gibberish. And I finally get him to say what he's doing on my porch. And I realize, oh, this is the other guy. The guy that threatened my buddy who's already going to be doing my curb. Now, I, I gave him a shot. I was like, I'm not going to be rude to this dude. I just simply explained to him, like, hey, man, I already hired the other dude. I respect what you both do. Maybe you guys should team up. It'd be super cool if you guys were, like, a partnership. He joked, thought that was cool, whatever, and took off. So my guy, Pete, he comes back, and he's ready to start doing the actual logo on my curbside. He's got all his stencil work. He's got all his paint, everything. He even does a clear coat, so it pops, it looks good, and it's protected from the elements. Now, I'm about to go to work, and I'm talking to Pete, just telling him, man, you know, times are rough. Uh, we don't even have money to buy weed anymore, so that's one thing we knocked out right away. We're like, we're not buying weed. If anything, we just need groceries. We've got to pay our bills. We've got to pay rent first. We're not going to buy any extra stuff that we truly don't need in life. And he says, well, I got a huge bag of weed. In fact, I was hoping I could smoke, but I didn't know where to go. I just need a pipe. And I'm thinking, well, hey, man, I got that in my house. Now, Pete's not like the other guy. He's not homeless. He's not, you know, he's a fresher dude. You know, just a normal, random guy who likes to paint curbs. And he does, dude, man, he get, he gets a lot of money off this. He does three, four, sometimes five in a day. And people tip him. They give him 100 bucks. They give him 75 bucks. I mean, he makes decent money doing this. It's funny. And it's awesome. And the dude randomly... Pulls out a bag of straight-up white rhino, primo dank, packs a fat bowl, and gets me absolutely ripped before I go to work, which was perfect. And I, I was like, I, I don't even know what to say. My curb painting guy, whose name is Pete, is in my house smoking me a bowl while he does my curb outside. That's awesome. These are the type of crazy and fun scenarios that occur in Imperial Beach here. You know, and the guy's a local. He lives here. Unlike the other dude who actually doesn't live in town. He just wants to make money off us and get out. And, you know, like I said, his work is just too flamboyant. My brother got it done by him. And his whole curb and some of the sidewalk and some of the street have bright pink and neon green and all these crazy colors with palm trees everywhere. It looks terrible. 
It, I, I don't, I hate it. I don't know why. My brother thinks it looks good. He raves about it. He loves it. It's terrible. Mine's going to be way better. Nothing against that guy's work, but Pete's the man. And this Pete respects that Pete. And that's the story I'm telling you today. It might not be interesting to you. It might sound stupid. But I had to get it out there. I want, I wanted to bring up this local celebrity Pete on my podcast in some way because he deserves it. He works hard. Everybody in the whole town loves him. He'll talk up every small business. He'll spread the word. He is just a genuinely good dude. And I couldn't believe yesterday he even smoked me a bull. Awesome guy. There you have it, folks. A real story about a local celebrity who paints curbs here in Imperial Beach, California. I appreciate you listening to Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. Have a wonderful afternoon, and I will talk to all of you tomorrow. Anyone who knows me knows I have been highly influenced by my mother. We're very close. I'm a definite mama's boy. And uh, nothing reminds me of her absolute devotion to her children more than Nat King Cole. When I had cancer, my mother took me to absolutely every chemotherapy treatment herself. She was there by my side. She would stay with me. She was just devastated that it was happening to me, but so happy to know that they could cure me. And on our way, she would listen to Nat King Cole all the time. It just is, it's embedded in my mind. I know every single song he's ever sang, I swear. That was a lot of S's, alliteration to the max. And for that reason, and because I brought up in the Real Story segment of my podcast, a painter, and what he does is paint. That's what a painter does. I don't know why I just explained that to you like you didn't know. But there's a song by Nat King Cole about a painting called the Mona Lisa. And it all ties together perfectly. Reminds me of my mother. And it's about paint. So here it is for you. I know you know what I'm talking about. If you're anybody, if you have ears, if you've lived on planet Earth for more than a day, you know this song, Mona Lisa by Nat King Cole. Mona Lisa, men have named you. You're so like the lady with the mystic smile. Is it only cause you're lonely they have blamed you? For that Mona Lisa strangeness in your smile. Do you smile to tempt a lover, Mona Lisa? Or is this your way to hide a broken heart? Many dreams have been brought to your doorstep. They just lie there. And they die there Are you warm? Are you real? Mona Lisa
talk Are just a cold and lonely Lovely work of art Tempt the lover, Mona Lisa. Or is this your way to hide a broken heart? Many dreams have been brought to your doorstep. They just lie there and they die there. Are you warm? Are you real? Mona Lisa Are just a cold and lonely Lovely work of art Mona Lisa Mona Lisa 